Okay, so let's begin. Um, we are holding in the Shiran Tefillah. Uh, we're discussing the Tefillot of Rosh Chodesh. And last week, what did we cover? Sorry, my mind is collecting itself. Last week, we discussed Birkat HaChodesh which is really the Hachrazat HaChodesh, which we do on Shabbat, and called Birkat HaChodesh, called Rish Chodesh Benshin, and we discussed where that minhag came from to bless the new month, as it were, on the Shabbat prior to Rosh Chodesh. Uh, related to Rosh Chodesh this week, I wanted to cover the idea of Kiddush Levana, or Birkat HaLevana. And it goes by both names, honestly, and the correct name really is Birkat HaLevana. That's how it appears in most of the early uh, Rishonim and all of the early sources. They call it Birkat HaLevana. It's not until later, in the time of the Maharil, that we begin to see people begin to, uh, to start calling it Kiddush Levana, which means sanctification of the new moon. And it's not immediately clear why they changed the name or why they believed it should be called that way. It is likely, it is for reasons that we will see in the Gemara in uh, Sanhedrin, that there is a concept of Kiddush Levana, of Birkat Levana, the blessing over the new moon, which uh, is related to a chuppah is related to something like Kiddushin. So we're going to examine that in a, in, a, in, a, in a little bit. Now, as far as brachot go, it is what is called a berchat hariyah, a bracha on sight, on things that we see. Rusad Yagaon and the Rambam both put this in their lists of the berchot hariyah, the, the brachot of things which are seen, such as lightning and, and the Yam Hagadol. One of the things, one of the brachot hariyah are, is Kiddush or Bikat HaLevana. Now, the only slight difference with the other Bikot HaRiyah, the other Brachot which are uh, seen and things which are, uh, which we say Brachot, something that we could see with our eyes, is that this Bracha is typically not said right away. Typically, if we would see a Yam HaGadol or if you would see lightning, you would say it right away. There's an exception here, which we're going to examine in a little bit, that we don't say Bikat HaLevana right away in many cases. Very often we can read it a little, we, we say that we do the ceremony a couple days into the new, the new moon. So what is Birkat uh, HaLevana? Um, just to clarify for anyone who's new to this, Birkat HaLevana is a, is, a, is a Jewish ritual where we, we will bless the new moon, so to speak. We say a blessing over the fact that the, the moon waxes and wanes every single month and as the moon goes through the molad meaning it goes through its invisible phase and then it generates into a new crescent that uh from the molad until its first quarter or first half of the crescent we have an opportunity to say a blessing thanking hashem for for uh not thanking hashem but really praising hashem for his creation including the creation of the moon so now we're going to discuss tonight the source for this bracha, where it comes from, and we're going to discuss the source of 
we're going to try to discuss the source of many uh, of the different associated prayers which end up in the Sidur alongside Rechat HaLevana. All right, let me just mute this. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so the first source we're going to have to see together, and it's good that I brought my laptop, is going to be the Gmaran Sanhedrin, Daf Mem Aleph Amud Bet. And I'm going to share my screen with everybody so that we can learn this together. Um, let me pull it up quickly. It is. It begins at the, bega, bege, at the bottom of Mem Aleph Amud Bet, and it goes into uh, Mem Bet Amud Aleph. I think all we're concerned with today is Mem Aleph Amud Bet. At first... What the Gemara does is that it discusses the timing for Birkat HaLevena, and it, it simply takes it for granted. To be honest, the, the Gemara doesn't uh, ask what is the source. It doesn't ask uh, where, how do we know uh, Birkat HaLevena is a bracha that we say. It simply takes the existence of Birkat HaLevena for granted, despite the fact that Birkat HaLevena does not appear in a Mishnah anywhere, it still takes the existence of this bracha for granted. So the Gemara over here, uh, after discussing, the Gemara first discusses the time. When can you say it? So let me just pull back one daf, if possible, on the bottom here. It says, um, that we can say it until, from the molad, until its, its, uh, its uh, cavity is filled. Until seven days. And then Ahardai say until 16 days. Okay. They both hold a One holds that it's like a sieve. One holds it's like the, the, the bow of an arrow. Different uh, shapes of the moon. What, what's considered pigimata? Okay. Let's, let's leave the halachic discussion a little bit out for the moment. Ravina. asked Ravina. These are two Amoraim. Why do we bless the bracha that we're familiar with, which is Why don't we say Hatov Hametiv if it's a praise of God? Uh, Rashi here says, um, For at all times the moon uh, benefits us as it fills because it gives more light to the world. Says the Gemara Amalei, Ravina replied to him, Ki chasar mi dayan So when it wanes, do we say dayan ha'emet? If you're going to bless it as if it's good tidings, so the reverse should be true as well. When it wanes, you should, you should say a blessing of bad tidings, which we know from the Gemara Brachot is dayan ha'emet. So the Gemara um, continues, Why don't we do both? Yeah, maybe that's true. Do, do one bracha when it waxes, one when it wanes. The Gemara answers, because that is its way of doing things, that's not the bracha we're going to do. We don't say such brachot because this is the natural order of things. We don't consider it a um, uh, you know good part of the month, bad part of the month. Waxing and waning aren't something which are good tidings or bad tidings. Says Rashi, every month we have a new creation of the world as it's its minhag, as it's its custom. It's not good or bad for the for the moon to wax or wane, so we don't say hatova mitiv or dayan hamet. Very well. So now the Gemara brings another uh, ma'amar, another saying from Rabbi Acha Bar 
in the name of Rav Asi, Amar Biochanan, in the name of Biochanan, Kol Hamavarech al Hachodesh Bizmano. Whoever says the bracha on the Chodesh, on the new moon, at its time, Ki ilu mekabel pinei shechinat, as if he has received the divine presence. Why? Ketiv hacha, Chodesh hazeh, lachem. Pasuk in one place says, Chodesh hazeh lachem, by the first mitzvah. V'chitiv hatam, and it says, Zeh keliv anveu, by the shirat hayam. This is my God, and I shall extol him. From the, from the, uh, the, the zeh and the zeh, we learn a hekesh, I'm sorry, that that just like the Jews at the at the sea at the Red Sea saw the Shekhinah, so too doing Birkat Lavana properly is like uh, a re- revelation of the divine presence. Now this uh, takes a lot of Kabbalistic and mystical weight here because the Mikubalim see a lot of uh, significance in the waxing and the waning of the moon as part of the mystical makeup of the universe in the way that there is a relationship between different parts sufim, different configurations of the sefirot, which have been broken and need to be reunified. And so, from a mystical sense, this accepting of the shechina that happens from from uh, during Birkat Halavana, during the waxing and the waning of the moon, is very important kabbalistically, and, and it's discussed at length uh, by the Mikubalim in, in various places, even as far back as Sha'arei Ora. In the Sefer Sharei Ora, he discusses what Levana means, which Sefirot, it, 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 you know, Levana, how it, how it relates to the Sefirah of Malchut and various different configurations of Levana. It's very important, um, maybe a little bit out of scope, but we're, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get through all of this. Other Rishonim learn this a little bit more uh, simply, without the mystical sense that you're, you're uh, experiencing a divine revelation. They say that the, the wonderment of nature we see the wonderment of nature through the cosmos. And when we, when we think about and meditate on the divine and we meditate on the wonders of nature, we come to see Hashem. So therefore, the bracha of Kiddush, of Kiddush Levana, Berkat Levana, if you do it properly, this meditation is like um, seeing the divine revelation. It's like, it's like seeing the presence of God. You see that Hashem is here when you see the... Some, in, in other words... Seeing the transcendent aspect of God can also make you feel imminence. That, that's what they're saying in, in, in a gist. Okay. Tana this is for the house, uh, the, the study hall of Rabbi Yishmael, that the mitzvah of Birkat HaKodesh is so great that if the Jewish people were only Zoha to meet, so to speak, to be Mekabel, Meaning, if this was the only mitzvah which was involved in um, in encountering the divine every single month, this would have been enough. That's how powerful the mitzvah is, and probably why it's one of the first mitzvot. Amar Abaye, Hilkach Nimirinhu Me'umad. Therefore, we say it standing. Because it is of such high stature, we say it standing. Uh, There's different interpretations of this Aramaic term, but basically two Amoraim would either stand on people's shoulders to go say Berkat as if it was like a you know festive occasion. Others say that they would go shoulder by shoulder. In other words, they were two dignitaries and they would make it a very big affair to do this ceremony because it was very important. Now the, the Rabbeinu Manoach says in his Pirush on the Rambam in Hilchot Brachot Perek Yud, he says that this idea of saying it's standing is very similar to the idea of saying Vayichulu Hashemayim Va'aretz standing 
by Kiddush and after Arvit, we say it's standing because it is an edut. It is a hoda'ah. It is, is not just a thanksgiving, but it is also a testimony that Hashem created the world. Therefore, we say all testimonies standing. That is the opinion of Rabbeinu Manoach to explain this Gemara. Okay. Now, says the Gemara, a little bit more interesting in the, in the history, because we're going to have to discuss how the Nusach uh, evolved. One Amora asked the other, this was Ravacha to Ravashi, in the West, meaning in Eretz Yisrael, they say the bracha, that, that's the new sach of their bracha. That's also what our women say. In other words, in the simple reading of the Gemara, there are those who say, who, you know, have a different way of constructing this, but the simple reading is, that's what our lay people say. In other words, we design that bracha for people who don't really know the full text of the, uh, of the, of the bracha. That's a shorthand. However, um, the proper way to say it, this is the proper nusach of the bracha, which we'll approach in a second. It should also be noted that there's a machlok at whether or not women are chayavot, women are obligated in berkat is it a mitzvah seishas man grama, or do we not say it's a mitzvah seishas man grama? Do we say it's more closely related to berchat hareiyah, in which case they would be obligated? From here, it's not clear. It's, it seems that the, the the lay people or the women would say berchat levana, so that would lend some support to the idea that women are obligated. Uh, at the end of the day, most women today do not have the custom of not saying berchat levana. Okay, so let's see how the Gemara brings this nusach. Uh, now let me read, uh, I'm going to read the art scroll translation because I think it's probably easier than compiling it on the fly. Let's see. Uh, Blessed are you, King of the Universe, with who his utterance created the heavens, right? And with the breath of his mouth, all the legions. Um, he gave them a law and a schedule that they should not alter their assigned task. They are happy and joyous to do the will of their, of their owner. Okay, this is the girsa of this Gemara. The workers of truth, whose work is true. This is in the plural. We'll discuss this in a second. And to the moon... Amar, he said, that it should renew itself. Ateret tiferet, the crown of splendor. La'amuse baten, for those born by him from the womb. Shehen atidin chadesh kimota, that they, the Jewish people, who are like they are born of the womb of Hashem, that they are going to renew at like the moon. And they are going to glorify, um, they are destined to renew themselves like it and to glorify their molder for the name of his glorious kingdom. Baruch atah Hashem. Blessed are you, Hashem, he who renews the moons. So now, if you'll notice, there's a lot of things that we have to parse here in this, in this biracha. First of all, as I mentioned, the, this, er, this is the earliest source for it. We don't have a Tanaic source for it. This is also quoting Rav Yehuda, not Rebbe Yehuda, who is an Amora. So it's not clear what the early history of Birchat HaLevanah was. Is it as early as Tanaic? Or, you know, we have to assume that because the Anshei Knesset HaGadola instituted all the brachot, that they instituted there should be a bracha for the Levanah, 
but most likely they did not give a hard nusach for the bracha, and that got developed in the time of the Tanaim down later to the Amoraim. That's what we would have to assume, although we don't have a lot of data about this. We only have uh, a few snippets in Midrashim and a few snippets here in, in the Gemara. Okay, so where are we holding? Just, I'm going to mention the Po'al Emet part for a second. The uh, Rashi here has Po'ale Emet, right? The workers of truth, which is the plural. This is referring to the celestial bodies themselves. Tosafot points out, uh, you know, now this is our girsa. Our girsa is that that there are some who say po alemet, the 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 true um, uh, the worker of truth whose work is true. Um, because Hashem uh, minimized the tr- the the moon with justice. We're all familiar with the story of the the sun and the moon, and the the moon complained that it wasn't as large as the sun, and it got diminished. And this was done with a measure of justice, so therefore we would say Poala Meche Pulato. I meant that he is true and his and his his acts are true because he diminished the moon in a just manner. The Rambam also has this language of Rashi Poale Met, that the celestial bodies themselves are considered workers of truth because they have a very well-defined role from their creator and how they affect the world. But most of the Nusraot, most of the Nusachs say uh, the other way of saying it is that meaning in, in the singular form talking about Hashem what it would mean by true is that it's everlasting that's how the Abu Dhaham points it out so either you say that Hashem is true meaning that his work of the creation is everlasting or you say that the, that the celestial bodies have a very well defined um, schedule a very well defined role but at the end of the day, Poale is the, is the um, common uh, nusach that you'll find today. So I did want to discuss also for a second the, the, a little bit of the halacha, because we just finished reading the Gemara here, and the Gemara mentions the start, a little bit about the start date and the end date for when you could say Birkat Levana. So... The Beit Yosef brings the Share Orar, Yitzchak Jikatilia, in a Teshuvah, right? Not, not in any of his works, that he wrote in a response that Alpiha Kabbalah were not supposed to do Kiddush HaChodesh before seven days. So seven days into the month, that's when you're supposed to do, sorry, not Kiddush HaChodesh, Kiddush HaLevana. And most Rishonim don't see it that way. Most Rishonim think that you should... Um, do it at minimum three days after. This is based on the, the, the version of Masechah Sofrim, which we're going to see in a few minutes. And they hold that you should, at minimum, wait three, three days after the Chodesh, and the, after, sorry, after the Molad, and then you can begin saying uh, the Birkata Chodesh. So the Iker Hadin in the post scheme is that as soon as you can see the Molad, as soon as you can see the first liver of the moon, the Ramam holds, that's Miker Hadin when you should start. However, there's a reason that we're machmer to wait three days. And I want to see the, the, the Gemara, the whatever, the Braita and Sofrim together to get a better sense of why that's true. And this is, it's all based on Rabbeinu Yonah, who understands the, the, the Braita and Sofrim as follows. So let's look at it together because it's not. Um, 
where am I here? Okay, I'm going to pull up the, the Sofrim so we could see it together. It is at the beginning of Perak Chaf in Masechet Sofrim. Uh, here we go. Sofrim Chaf. I'll share my screen again. I hope this language here is the same language that I have in the back of the Gemara. Okay. So the, the Brayta says in Mesechet Sofrim, and again, I'm reading this more for just the purpose of the dates, but also to get, to get, to get some more context here in, in our sources for Mesechet Sofrim. The, it begins by saying we only do the, we should do the Birkat Levana on Motzei Shabbat. When? Keshum Busam when he is uh, anointed with perfumes, when a person is, uh, or an exhilarated mood, I mean, is another way of saying it, if he's joyous, and when he's well-dressed. And then it gives instructions, right? He, he puts his eyes to it for a second, and then he straightens his feet, and he says the bracha. So there was another version of this Masechet Sofrim, based on, on oh, some, some called the Yerushalmi, I couldn't find the Yerushalmi inside, which said, not... It said, Only when he is mevusam. It didn't say anything about Motzei Shabbat. So Rabbeinu Yonah didn't know what to do with this. What does it mean, Keshuhu mevusam? So he interpreted it to mean when the moon is, gives us joy, when you're able to derive benefit from the moon. And that's at least three days in after the Molad when you can see uh, the moon and it gives enough light to benefit mankind. That's the opinion of Rabbeinu Yonah. Therefore, the Chathila, that's what we're machmir for. The Rambam, based on the Gemara, and Rabbam Ram Gaon, they don't mention anything about this. They just say, you know, from day one, as soon as you could see it, go ahead and make the bracha as soon as possible. Typically, with Birkot Hariyah, we would do it as soon as possible, and that's probably why the Rambam disregarded the halachot brought here in the Mesechet Sofrim. So, as you can see here, the language is very much similar. But there is one or two differences. It says shetit chadesh yakar, right? That it should uh, renew with a uh, precious light. I suppose is one way to say it. Um, I wonder how they do it down here. Yeah, precious light. Okay, bruchat Hashem mekadesh roshe chodashim. We have mekadesh mekadesh chodashim, and this says mekadesh roshe chodashim. That was the the eulogy, the last the last part. Now, Mesechet Sofrim brings for us even more material, which is going to be very exciting. I should mention before I move on, the, um, we discussed the start date, but the end date is either seven days in or L'Chathchila seven days in or uh, 15 days in. If you look in, in Shulchan Aruch Taf Chavav, he discusses what exactly it means that you're allowed to do it up until the 16th, not until the 16th means... Uh, not the 16th included, 15 days in, your rabbi who's in charge in your shul will probably do it correctly and he'll tell everybody when it's time to do Birkat HaChodesh according to the minhag of that shul. It, it, the, the calculations are a little complicated, 14 days, 18 hours, the, the whole thing. So if you're, if you're not very into calendrical things like I'm not, then please just trust your rabbi. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he'll do it right. Now, the ideas that we have here I want to fa- finish, before we get to the, the texts that are associated with, with, with the Birchat Levana. I want to first finish here what it says in the text. So we have this bracha, 
what is the idea of the bracha? Let's just mention the idea is very simple, that it, it, it's a praise of Hashem for his creation of magnificent celestial bodies, and then it turns, and, it's, and it starts talking about Klal Yisrael. And just like the moon uh, waxes and wanes, so too does Klal Yisrael have this power to renew, and so too we shall renew and give glory to our Creator. So this was seen very much as a, as a prayer of salvation, a prayer for the Gula, and the, this, it, some of the Rishonim saw this idea of atidim lehitchadesh, that in the future they will renew to specifically be talking about techiat hamitim, that one day the Jewish people are going to be renewed like the, um, like, uh, like by techiat hamitim. The Abu Durham brings, no, sorry, is it? Yeah, he brings Pirkei Bliezer, Nun Aleph, which says that we know that the sun, the moon was diminished uh, in contrast to the sun in the, cre- in the story of creation. Therefore, when Mashiach comes, the, the moon is going to be restored to shine like the sun. So too, the Jewish people are going to be renewed like the sun. Okay. So, Rav Sadia Gaon here at the end, we have Al Kivod Malchuto or Al Shem Kivod Malchuto. And if Sadegon has Alasher Bara, on which was created, to, to, glor- to glorify Hashem for what he had created. Okay, another different Nusach, early Nusach, which is extinct today, but I thought it was important to mention. Now, the eulogy here we have in our Sidurim, Baruchat Hashem Mechadesh Chadashim, right? Over here in, in Sofrim it says Baruchat Hashem Mechadesh Roshe Chadashim, who, who, who sanctifies the Rosh Chodesh. There is actually a midrash with three different versions. So if you look here in Shemot Rabbah, I'm just going to pivot over here. Davar achar ha-chodesh hazeh lachem, ha-roet ha-levana hech tzarich levarech, b'zman sh'yusom ha-chadashin et-chodesh. Yesh min rabanan amirin baruch mechadesh chadashim, v'yesh mehem omrin baruch mechadesh chadashim, v'yesh mehem omrin mechadesh Yisrael. Some said mechadesh chadashim, some said mechadesh chadashim, chadashim, and some said Mekadesh Yisrael. And that's actually found in the Siddur of the Rokeach. Surprisingly, it's, it's a contradiction between two, two different places in the Rokeach. But it seems that some people in Ashkenaz did say Mekadesh Yisrael. So this, there was an early German minhag to say Baruch Mekadesh Yisrael. Shem en Yisrael Mekadeshim oto, en oto Kiddush Kulam. Because if uh, Kla Yisrael is not Mekadesh, the moon, then it doesn't get sanctified whatsoever. That is the... The, um, the Midrash, and therefore we can see already this idea of Mikadesh HaChodesh, that we sanctify the, the new moon when in relation to Lulvanan, in relation to the blessing of the moon. So this is probably why it got the name Kiddush Levana. <clears throat> okay. Well, now, how about all these accompanying texts? If you open a Sidur, both Ashkenaz and Sfaradi, you're going to find much more than just the Bracha. Now, to be, to be honest, if you open a Rambam or you open a Fsadia Gaon or any of the earlier sources like Seder of Amram, they, they, they say nothing about any of these accompanying texts. They just say, say this bracha and go on with your merry day. Or merry night, to be honest, because the, 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 the Rishonim say you're not supposed to say Bikat Levana if by day if you see the Levana by day because you're not really benefiting from it. So where do all these accompanying texts come from? So if you open a Sidor, you're going to find, at least in the Sfaradi one, you're, you'll find Lamnatseach, Mizmor Ledevit Hashemayim Misaprim Kvod Kal. This was added fairly recently just to, you know, 
to say more Tehillim, probably in order to say a Kaddish afterwards. And this, this parak of Tehillim is very famous in that it speaks about the heavenly bodies like the Shemesh and the Areach, right? Again, not critical, but it is a, a popular minhag to say it. Then you have some people who add the Pasuk in I'm guessing this is a Kabbalistic insertion because we're about to, to pray for the Gulah and to pray for the, the, the downfall of our enemies. Okay, and then comes until the Yavar, and then we stop. We say basically until a specific Pasuk, I think that's the, the sixth Pasuk, and then we stop. This is uh, directed by the Mikubalim. Again, only a 450-year-old, so to speak, 400-year-old custom to say half of this before and the other half after. So then we say, we look at the moon, and then we don't continue to look at the moon. Why? Because if you, the Siddur says, gaze at the moon for a second, but don't, don't gaze at it for too long. It's because we don't want it to look like moon worship. We, we want to show that we are uh, praising God, not praising the moon. And therefore, some people added the Pesukim, and when we see in the heavens the works of your, of your hands, of your fingers, so we say Pesukim of praise to um, just to emphasize that our ceremony, our ritual, is not moon worship, it is worship of God. Then the Mekubalim added a L'Shem Yehud, uh, in some, in some, you're going to find them more elaborate, some less elaborate. Here in the Svaradi Sidur, they just have very simple um, They don't talk about any yichudim or patsufim or anything fancy, just a simple l'shem yichud, and then the bracha. After that, we get to the meat and potatoes, which is the siman tov tilanu l'cho Yisrael. Siman tov tilanu l'cho Yisrael, three times. People say this three times. And then bruch yotzich, bruch yotzich. Baruch Borich, Baruch Konich, Baruch Borich, or Borech, depending on which Sidor you pick up. So, where does all this part come from? Right here, from Masechet Sofrim. Now, let's read it together. The, the Brayta Masechet Sofrim says, Three times you should say the following. It's not clear which parts you say three times. Typically, when you say something for three times, it simply means to, for emphasis, to kind of lock it and bind it. Uh, is the expression that if you say have something threefold, it is much stronger. Baruch Yotzrech, Baruch Osech, Baruch Konech, Baruch Borech. Blessed is your molder, your former. Blessed is your is your maker. Blessed is your owner. Blessed is your creator. What's interesting about these words is that it is directed at the moon. It's not directed at God. and then you hop uh, three uh, jumps. Kinegda towards the moon ve'omer gimel pamim and you say three times kishem shani meraked kinegdech just like kishem shani roked kinegdech just as I jump towards you ve'eni nogeabech and I cannot touch you kach im and I am not touching you kach im yirakedu acherim kinegdi lazikeni lo yigubi they shall not be able to to touch me tipol aleim ematav afachad right we say the pasuk of tipolalem and matabafahad and then we ulama freya and then we say the same pasuk backwards which is not i don't believe is in let me see yeah which is in which is in most of the sidurim we say the the tipolalem forward and then you say the same pasuk backward uh amen 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 sala 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 hallelujah right it's just mentioning uh, that we should say all these things three times hallelujah we should say a hallelujah 
which one is it? I believe it's Haluluka Halulukel Bikotcho. The Amar al Khavero, and then you say to your friend, Gimel Pamim, Shalom. Some versions of here say Shalom Alecha. And he should go home with a good heart. That is the conclusion of the regulations of the Pesikin of Rosh Hashim. So that is the end of this Brayta. So now we're going to have to examine this one by one. First of all, the prayer, any prayer at the beginning of a new moon or a new cycle was going to have the psychological hope, the emotional hope that the coming month was going to have Bibisiman Tov. So it should be a of Mazal Tov, right? It should have an auspicious omen. Therefore, um, they began with this uh, formula or this formulation. It is interesting to note that there are not so many tefillot which are completely written and found only in Mesechet Sofrim. So we have we have like Ala Koliet Kadalviet Kadash. We have very many variations of of uh, tefillot from Mesechet Sofrim. But to really have a, a tefillah, which its only source is in Mesech Sofrim, is a little bit unique. So let's take this uh, piece by piece here. The, oh, I did this backwards, of course. Sorry about that. So the Rambam, Rav Amram Gon, and the, and the um, Seder of Amram, Seder of Sadia, and the Rambam and the Temanim all omit this part about Baruch Yotzerech, Baruch Yotzerech, Baruch Konech. And it's not clear why, but the Kapach Rambam, he makes a suggestion, I think Yosef Kapach was his name, he makes a suggestion that perhaps in their view, speaking directly to the moon is a little bit too pagan-like. And perhaps the Rambam was uncomfortable with a prayer where it was directly addressing the moon. Now, why the Chachamim in Eretz Yisrael, the Savoraim, thought it was appropriate to write such a tefillah is not completely clear, but they must have felt that it wasn't, uh, obviously wasn't, it wasn't uh, part of the canon, it wasn't very important, so therefore they didn't include it. However, this definitely became the main, um, the main minhag. So once we're here in... Uh, Oops, sorry, drunken, uh, drunken cursor. So once we're here, this is based on a pasuk in Yeshaya, uh, Memgimul Aleph. So we'll just look at it together for a second. This, uh, this prayer, Memgimul, first pasuk. Right? This is the pasuk which said, who created you, Yaakov? Who forms you, O Yisrael? So the language of this comes from this pasuk in Yeshaya. Now, there's a midrash about this which uses this pasuk in, in, a, in, a, in a midrashic form to say that Hashem tells the world, who created you, Yaakov? Who formed you, Yisrael? Where Hashem is telling the universe that you only exist because of Klal Yisrael. And the Torah and others point out that that uh, Yotzrech, Osech, Konech, and Borech is Rosh Tevot Yaakov, because the moon is Merumaz. The moon is is uh, a hint for Yaakov Avinu. The Mikubalim address this a lot more forcefully. They they speak about the Paratzuf of Yaakov and how you know how Rosh Chodesh is. Well, this isn't specifically about Rosh Chodesh, but how the Chodesh and 
how there is a cycle of the Partsufim with Yaakov and Rachel that happens every Chodesh, and there's this uh, unification and reunification of the Shekhinah, so to speak, of Malchut. Therefore, uh, this has a lot more significance in the Kabbalistic realm that there is a Roshi Tevot of Yaakov. Now, uh, in the Siddur Avodet Yisrael from, from Bayer, he, he doubts this uh, account because if you look in the Orchot Chaim already, there was a different order where it said Borech Yotzech, where it didn't have Yaakov, and, and Orchot Chaim says, and some order it the other way. So he doubts that it was always Yaakov. It might have sometimes been bit, uh, might have been out of order, and it could have been the later Sofrim, the later scribes, who put it into the order of Yaakov to make this mystical connection between Yaakov and the moon. There is a Midrash in Breshit Rabbah, I'm not remembering exactly where it is now. Did I put it on my notes? I did not. And the Midrash compares Yaakov to the moon with more Midrashic language. For example, Yaakov is the moon and Esav is the sun. So, the, for example, when the sun sets, when Esav goes down, Yaakov goes up, the moon goes up. It is possible for the moon to shine by day and by night, while Esav, while which is the sun, can only shine by day. In other words, that. Uh, Klal Yisrael, who come from Yaakov, we are gonna we, from Yaakov. We're gonna get Olam Hazeh and Olam Haba, while um, Esav, who is uh, Nimshal to the Shemesh, he only can shine by day. In other words, he only gets Olam Hazeh. So there's a midrashic connection between Yaakov and the Levana as well, which is not just uh, just mystical. So where are we here? Tipol Aleim Matava Fachad. This, again, we just saw Masechet Sofrim. Rav Monk understands this in an interesting way, and I'm not sure if I saw this anywhere earlier. But let's take this pasuk together. This is, again, from, from, Shira, from Shirat Hayam. Right? It should fall upon you. Uh, let, us, let fall upon them fear and terror at the greatness of your arm. Let them be still as stone. And then we say the pasuk backwards. So you have to kind of, the way our school tries to do it is they try to bend the meaning when you say it backwards. Ka'aven yidimu, like a stone, let them be still. Zero'acha bigdol, right? At your arm's greatness, v'fachad imata aleim tipol, terror and fear upon them, let them fall. You kind of have to bend the words. So why would you do it backwards? So Rav Monk um, suggests that when we, this is a very unusual formula. We don't typically see this in liturgy. He says that perhaps the idea of the Savoraim here is that if you're going to say something backwards, you're referring to the supernatural. When you, do some, when you say something forward, you're speaking about the natural order of things. And when you say something backwards, you're referring to the counter-natural process of things. And therefore, the invocation would be that when we say the pasuk backwards, we're asking Hashem that if he's going to destroy our enemies and he's going to destroy the, the bad things that are going to happen to us in the month to come, that should happen both in the orders of nature and supernaturally, that he should also take care of it outside of the realm of nature if necessary. I thought that was a fascinating uh, idea. Okay, so what's the next thing in many Sidurim? I'm sorry, because the Ashkenaz and the Sephardi are a little different, and in my brain they're a little bit mixed up, so I'm going to try to organize my thoughts here. Many Sidurim will have at this point, David Melech Yisrael Chayvik Hayam. David, king of Israel, lives and is everlasting. Where does this come from? So, we can trace this minhag back to the 13th century in Zaragoza, 
in Aragon in Spain. And exactly where it begun is not clear. We do know it's as, at least as early as that because it is first mentioned by Rabbeinu Bachya on Chumash. Parashat Ve'yeshev, and I think also in Parashat Bo, he mentions this minhag. And this comes from a Gemara in Mesechet Rosh Hashanah, which incidentally Daf Yomi is going to learn tomorrow. Um, it's, it's Daf Chafhei in Rosh Hashanah. And since I'm sharing my screen, we'll, we'll, we'll do it together. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah is speaking about an incident where Rebbe appointed Reb I believe it was Reb to go be Mekadesh the, the Chodesh in a place called Ein Tav. And the Mikubalim see the name Ein Tav to be something like, they, they learn this whole thing mystically. This is unbelievable. If you look at the Sidur Yavit, the, the way they dissect the, the, this, the words here is, is unbelievable. But let's just learn it simply. Amar Rebbe Le Zil Le go to Ein Tav, and sanctify the new moon. And send me a code. David And if I hear that code word from a messenger that comes back, I will know that you have sanctified the moon properly. So it's not clear why he needed a code. Um, Rashi here says, David Melch Yisrael, why is David Melch Yisrael have anything to do with the new moon? Nimshal Kilvana, because we know David is compared to the moon. So not only Yaakov is compared to the moon, so is David HaMelech, which represents Malchut. So uh, Rashi has different pshatim uh, as why you needed a code word, either because he was having a local dispute as to when the... Um, a local dispute as to when, as whether or not it should be an extended month, 29 days or 30 days, and therefore he didn't want to make it public until it was decided. And the other idea is that perhaps there was a, a, a gzera, a decree, that prevented the Jews from doing it publicly from being Mekadesh the Chodesh. So two different ideas as to why he needed a code word. Whatever it is, we see that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi used David Melech Yisrael Chayvekayam as a code word, a password, so to speak, to represent the sanctification of the new month. And the Benu Bachya speaks about this in Parashat Vayeshev at great length, how there's the, this, the Sod Ibor and, and uh, what exactly is happening uh, with this type of cycle. And he goes through the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Interestingly, a lot of the, of the stuff there is very Kabbalistic. But one of the more interesting things he says there when he speaks about this David Yisrael Melchai Vekayam is that the entirety of Jewish history is actually like the waxing and waning of the of the moon. He says, take the fifteen the, the moon has twenty-nine days. So there were fifteen generations from Avraham until Shlomo Hamelach, meaning that our history uh, waxed and it got greater and greater until it culminated in a golden age of Shlomo Hamelach. And then there were fourteen generations from Shlomo Hamelach until Tzitkiyah when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. So we see there's a, just like the, the moon has 29 days, sorry, the month has 20, 29 days, so too Jewish history has waxing periods and waning periods where we go from, to, a, to an epoch of greatness and we then go back to a, uh, we go back to calamity and we go back to, to square one. There's this constant renewal in Jewish history and he points it out more in Kabbalistic terms um, which I wish we, I, I wish I, I had time for because it's a whole avodah to even figure out half of what they're saying, but it's very, very fascinating. If anyone's interested in Parashat Vayeshev, Perak Lamed Chet Lamed, I'm sure you can look at Rabbeinu Bachia. It's a very fascinating uh, uh, dissertation over there. 
Okay, so where are we next? Let me see if I forgot anything. Oh, and one last thing. Rishaya Pick there on the page of the Gemara, he, he points out that David Melech Yisrael Chayvekayam, in case you're learning Dafyomi tomorrow and the Magachir doesn't know this, David Melech Yisrael Chayvekayam is Gematria Rosh Chodesh. So Rishaya Pick points that out. Maybe that was why it was the code word, because it was the Gematria for Rosh Chodesh. Very interesting, uh, a very interesting idea. Now, this prayer, I, I, it's, I, I, I'm going to find this funny to speak about this a little bit, but this prayer of there's this custom to jump, and many see this custom to jump as a, an expression of joy, an expression of simcha, that we're able to be mekabel, we're able to accept the, the presence of the shekhinah, right? So we're, we're jumping not because we're trying to get to the moon, but because we're trying to be marakid, that we're supposed to jump with joy towards this uh, shekhinah. And so and this also comes where the dancing aspect comes uh, when it comes to um, people dance after uh, after they they say Birchas Halavana. So it says, Kishem She'ani, what's the modern version? Sorry, let me look at the, the, the Svaradisi door for the moment. Kishem they have it in the plural here. Kishem She'anachnu Murakadim Kinagdich, just as we hop towards you, Ve'en anachnu Yicholim Ligabich, Kachim Merakadu Achim Kinagdinu Lazekeinu Lo Yichla Ligabanu. Vali Shatuvanu and the Sfaradi one is a little bit more elaborate. They shouldn't be able to, to harm us or affect us at all. So, this idea that we're hopping towards God, we're, we're hopping towards the moon, and we, we cannot reach or touch the moon, actually uh, led to some controversy in 1969. So, everyone knows that I'm not old enough, but in July 20, 1969, the Americans managed to land Apollo on the moon. And there was a lot of intellectuals in Israel at the time who woke up one night to Shabbos and they read this prayer and they said, wait a second, it says, Kishem Sha'enanach, Kishem She, where, what is it? Kishem Sha'enachnu Mu'akadim Kenadech, Ve'en Anachnu Yicholim Ligabech. And we're not able to reach you. What are you talking about we're not able to reach you? We just reached the moon. Humanity was very proud at that moment. It was very inspiring to everybody. And they all believed that, you know, the, the validity of science was very high in people's emotional minds then. And there was a, a heated slash, uh, I guess, I don't want to call it a debate, but there was a strong emotional push by many intellectuals in Israel to change this and to take it out of the Siddur. Because what are you talking about, that we can't touch the moon? We, can, we, we can't reach the moon? We can reach the moon. So Shlomo Goren, who was the, uh, the uh, chief rabbi of Israel at the time, actually uh, liked the, the, the argument. And he countered and he insisted that we should change the Gersa not to the one that says, like the modern one, that we cannot reach you, but he changed it to, Masech, to the way it has it in Masechet Sofrim, where we just read it a few minutes ago, where it says, Kishem shanachnu muraktim kenegdech ve'en anachnu ve'eni nogeabach. Just as I hop towards you and I don't touch you, just as I'm hopping towards the moon and, I can't, and I'm not touching it in the present tense, so too, uh, if others uh, uh, try to, to harm us, they should not be able to harm us. So he wanted to switch it to something which is the earlier Gersa, Revert it back to the earlier Gersa, which is more accurate in the sense that it's the present tense. 
And obviously everybody got the rabbi involved. The, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote a tshuva about this and he said, if I'm remembering correctly, he said that the, the connotation here is that it's in the present tense. So like, you're, you know, you're, you're not touching the moon right now, so this is not really a very strong question. I think Rabbi Yisrael Zolberstein was also asked this question. Uh, a lot of people didn't like it. They simply countered that the whole thing is poetic to begin with. This doesn't need to be taken literally. Uh, so, and also, it's a tefillah, which is not halachic. It was invented by the Savoraim, probably, and therefore it didn't have enough halachic weight to kind of make any, uh, any big deal. They dismissed the issue entirely. Like, you know, in <laughs> yeshivas would say, it's a dumb kasha. You know, like, okay, fine. <laughs> so somebody landed on the moon. Okay. But uh, Shlomo Goran liked it, and, uh, and he, he insisted that people change back to, to, to the way it was done in, in Masechet Sofrim. Okay, in the Ashkenaz Sidurim, and I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me, but let me take out the Avodat Yisrael from Bayer. Okay, in the Ashkenaz, they have another component here, also added Kabbalistically, so to speak. They say, Anybody who says Shir Hashirim often will know that that's the beginning of the second parak of Shir Hashirim. So where does that come from? This comes from the Mate Moshe, who has a tradition going all the way back to Yehuda HaChasid to say this, these few, three pesukim in, two pesukim I think it is, in um, Shir Hashirim. It, it has been studied. Some some believe that it's it's referring to the Koldodi, the future, the, the the call of my beloved. That this is referring to the future where we're going to hear the call of Mashiach, and there's going to be a reunification with the Shekhinah. So this is Koldodi Hinezeba is the is the is the hearing of the future redemption where the Shekhinah is going to be revealed to us again. That is that is the simple understanding of that. The last two things we'll discuss is the we'll begin with the Shalom Aleichem. Right? You know the Ashkenaz, Minhag, the Sephardim, mostly don't do this. But you run around like a little peddler and you say, Shalom Aleichem. Everyone has Aleichem Shalom, Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom. Right? And you got to do it three times. Where does this come from? Well, we just saw it. It's in Masechet Sofrim that you say Shalom Aleichem three times. Uh, I believe it was Mate Moshe and others, quote Marami Rottenberg, that holds that you're supposed to also reply. So you should say Shalom Aleichem to a friend, meaning the Masechet Sofrim means that you should they interpret it to mean that you should say it to a, to a colleague or somebody there, and he should reply to you, Aleichem Shalom. So why do we do this? Where does it come from? So some people understand they understand the text in Masechah Zofrim to simply mean that it's a way, a tradition of ending the ceremony by saying Shalom Aleichem to end it on a good note. Others see it as being a much deeper uh, idea. Maril holds that it's a way of greeting the Shekhinah with joy, by saying shalom aleichem, to, shalom aleichem to everybody, it's showing that we have that that we're here. Shalom aleichem, you know that we're here and we, we have a we we we're doing it to, to people, but we're we're trying to express the joy that we have a we have a new presence here. The, we we greeted the shechinah. Um, the Mate Moshe says interestingly that we just cursed the goyim tipol aleim and three times. Right, the minhag is to say it three times. And therefore, because we just said a curse three times, we're supposed to say a bracha three times afterwards. And that's to counteract the curse that we just said. I thought that was actually very interesting. There's many other reasons that Tikkun Tzvilah says we're trying to confidently say that we don't fear the coming month. So we, we say Shalom Aleichem to our friends as if we, we have no fear. 
the Anaf Yosef says we're taking Musr from the moon, that the moon wasn't kind to its neighbor, the sun, therefore, because it didn't have a good interpersonal relationship, therefore, it, 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 received, it received a diminishing. So, so we learn a Musr that we, from the moon that we should treat our friends nicely, and therefore we say Shalom Aleichem, which is nice. It's a very nice homiletical explanation. Um, the Arizal is quoted as saying that this is a way of demonstrating that there should be no more Kitrug. Uh, there's a, uh, the Kitrug HaRishona, the first Kitrug, the first Kitrug came through this creation story of the moon and the sun, the first uh, a charge of, of sin, and therefore when we say Shalom Aleichem, it's a way of stopping this Kitrug from, from entering the rest of the month. And therefore, it has a Kabbalistic lean, and there's a Kabbalistic function to saying Shalom Aleichem. So many, many different reasons are given. The last thing we'll discuss is the Minhag of Aleinu. Uh, the Bira Lacha says, this Mishnah Bura says that in his time, the early 20th century, there was a Minhag that had been spreading to say Aleinu at the end of Birkat before the Kaddish. So it's not clear why. Uh, he believes it might be, if I'm remembering correctly, that it's to show, he believes it might be to show that we're, Aleinu L'Shebeach L'Adon Akol, that we're, we, we say it to show that we're praising Hashem and only Hashem and not the moon, to show that it's not moon worship. Others have suggested that perhaps it's there to function as the end of the tefillah, as if like we're about to say Kaddish, because the Minhag was to say it with a Minyan and to say it with Kaddish. But the Chidah and Mora Etzba doesn't like it at all. The Chidah, he uh, heard about this Minhag, and he says that if we have a minhag, we have no reason for it, and it's a recent thing that cropped up, and people don't have a reason for it, and they just start doing it, stop doing it. Until you could bring forth, this is, again, a very Sephardic way of, uh, Sephardic academic way of looking at minhagim, which is if you have a minhag and you have an ancient tradition for it and you have a reason, you know, then God bless. But if you have no reason for it and you started it recently, then please stop right now until you can uh, bring forward for us an actual reason why you're saying Aleinu Shabach. Therefore, the minhag became, in some places, to go out at the, at the end of Arvit, say Birkatalavana, then come back inside, say Aleinu for Arvit, say Kaddish, and then you do the whole thing properly, halachically, and you don't come into any issues. Okay, so that is, uh, God willing, the end of our discussion on Birkatalavana. Hopefully, I didn't leave too much out. There's uh, a lot of, so much beautiful Torah on this, especially the, um, the, uh, the mystical aspect to how Birkat Levana is important and what it, what it accomplishes and the Sod, sod Ha'ibor, Sod Ha'levana and all the, all the different things that the B'Kovalim speak about. I wish we had more time to explore that more deeply. But next week we'll continue with other aspects of Rosh Chodesh. Namely, we'll have to look at Yalev Yavo. We'll have to look at possibly the Kriyat Torah and the Hallel. So we have our homework cut out for us and Be'ezrat Hashem will continue uh, next week.